Hello, and welcome back to One Conversation, the podcast where we believe one conversation can change a life. Before we even get started here today, I want to just kind of give a little kudos and a shout out to our podcast, because as of today, yeah, as of today, our podcast actually won a national award from the DomesticViolenceShelters.org. So hugely proud of that. We love this podcast. We love the work that it does. We love the messaging that it spreads. Incredibly thankful for DomesticShelters.org for keeping us in the running and considering us. So my name is Lisa, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Sarah. And in this episode, we are going to have a really important discussion on safety plans. So we're going to talk about why they're so important, uh, what goes into a safety plan, and also some considerations for making one. And we have mentioned safety plans throughout several episodes, so we're excited to take time today and finally break this down. But before we get started, please just be advised, we will be mentioning and discussing abusive relationships during this conversation, so listener discretion is advised. In our domestic violence fields, when we help a client create a safety plan, it's realistically, it's for the purpose of keeping that client safe while leaving an abusive or violent relationship, uh, thinking about leaving an abusive or violent relationship, or remaining in the relationship and staying as safe as possible. And if any listeners heard that and are saying, well, why would they stay in a relationship if it's violent or abusive? Uh, there's a million reasons why someone mm-hmm. may stay. And if you want to hear more of those valid reasons, feel free to go check out some of our other episodes on domestic violence. Uh, our number one being, should I stay or should I go? Which is an episode where we talked solely about the reasons why someone may stay. So domestic violence safety plans are just one of the many types of safety plans that do exist out there. Of course, domestic violence is what we're going to be focusing on. But some other examples of safety plans can include suicide safety plans, health and safety plans for medical issues or even addiction issues, youth safety plans for being in domestic violence households or their own abusive teen relationships, And lastly, hazard plans for environmental disasters or workplace hazards. And those are just a few of the many types that exist. So we're going to talk about the importance of domestic violence safety plans and also who should consider making one. Yeah, so we know that when someone is in a crisis situation, such as a domestic violence relationship, and you're going through all this, we know that it's really difficult to think clearly or logically, especially if there's a heightened situation and you're under a lot of stress. Having a safety plan can make it a lot easier to figure out how to keep yourself safe and how to navigate leaving if that's something you want to do or to even protect yourself during that time. And these safety plans become an action plan to lowering the risk of being harmed by your partner. These safety plans include specific information in different areas of your life, such as in your home, work, school, or places that you regularly are. And we want to make it clear that the safety plans aren't necessarily because someone is planning to leave. It could be mm-hmm. because they do want to stay in that relationship, like Lisa said. And they want to just keep themselves as safe as possible. Like if they notice their partner says something, they can recognize that as a trigger word that, okay, I got to enact my safety plan. Right. So like I said, the plan is to keep you safe. And that's going to be however it looks, whether you have to leave, go somewhere for the night, get a hotel room, call crisis lines such as ours. It's going to be what's best for you. And things you can do is like such as identifying safe people. And that can be hard, especially if someone is isolated. 
um, they don't have anywhere to go or know anyone. We come, we see that a lot in our work that we're like, okay, who can you identify as a safe person? And they're not necessarily able to do that because they moved away with their partner, families out of town, they're new to the area and they haven't really established friends. Right. So that can be a really difficult situation. And we might want to consider making a safety plan if someone is feeling scared for their safety, if they've noticed the violence has increased. Um, we know that alcohol and drugs aren't the cause of domestic violence. It could be a trigger for the domestic violence to occur. So if that's mm-hmm. increasing in the relationship. And it can just always be good just to have a safety plan ready to go. So if someone's coming to us, it can be a good idea that they do make a safety plan. We can think that there's a good reason. At least talk about it, put it in their head, and get have them get some ideas of what they can do to keep themselves safe. Mm-hmm. So before we talk about things that are included in a safety plan, let's discuss some important things to remember during this process. So for the safety plan to work best, it's important that you're as honest as possible in answering these questions. That's going to help create the most effective safety plan for you help give us an idea of what level of danger you are at. Mm-hmm. And then once the plan is completed, it's important to keep it in a secure location where your partner can't access it, which can be unsafe in some situations, such as if your partner sees this, they're like, oh, they're thinking of leaving and that can increase the violence. Yeah. But at the same time, it's important that it can be accessible to you. So keeping it in your car with you, keeping it in a bag with you, maybe even having it in your phone if that's a safe place for it to be, or even giving it to a friend um, or a trusted person in your life so they can give it to you when it's needed. If you don't feel safe for keeping the plan somewhere in your home, you can try to memorize it or have a phone number memorized so they can help you and go over the steps with you if that's needed. And like I said, you know your situation better than anyone else, so you're going to do what works best for you, keep you most safe, and use your judgment and think through your options before taking any steps. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is a huge consideration right there. You know, if you are creating a safety plan, if you have, you know, just thinking about where is this going to be kept, right? And I think that's a great point you brought up, you know, if if that partner finds it, that could bring upon a whole lot of maybe dangerous situations or just situations that person does not want to be in. So definitely some great things to keep in mind there. And we're going to have links below to secure domestic violence websites where you could actually walk through creating a safety plan step by step. Uh, An important thing to to point out about these sites, when you visit the majority, if not all, of domestic violence, sexual assaults, stalking, any kind of resource sites like that, most of them, they have these quick escape buttons. So let's say if you want to go on and take a look, but you're in fear that someone may, you know, see you doing this, um, they do have quick escape buttons. You just quickly, you know, press on that. So if you feel like someone's coming or someone's going to see, it'll immediately redirect you out of the page to Google to some other website. So that's a good thing to keep in mind as well. And we're also going to have links to agencies throughout the country, of course, including our own agency, Live Violence Free, uh, if you feel comfortable creating this plan alongside a trained advocate. And so before we go through some of the questions and categories, we're actually going to share out some other important tips and things to further ensure your safety. So these tips were actually shared through Rain's website. Uh, huge shout out to Rain, incredible sexual assault, sexual violence resource. So if you're facing violence in the home, uh, first off, find or become familiar with safe places in the home or other locations, such as a trusted person's home, or even if that might be with a DV or SA agency. You can create a code word 
Um, if you have children, you can create a code word with them. You know, that might mean you need to get out of here. You need to go into a different room. Things aren't safe right now. Or even code words with trusted people in your life to let them know that you need support. Also, lean on your support network. Definitely try to identify if someone you trust can respond to a possible crisis if you do need help. Preparing an excuse or excuses to leave might be a great idea. Um, So go ahead and create several plausible reasons to be out of the house at certain times or in an existing dangerous situation, right? That way it's a little more normal. You know, if you feel like something's escalating, if something has been triggered, you feel like you, you know, want to get out of that situation. If you already have excuses or things that you regularly go and do, um, might be a little bit easier to say, oh, you know, I have that class. I need to get out of here or whatever that could be. And lastly, for in the home tips, to create more safety at home, take steps such as sleeping in public spaces, maybe like the living room. You can lock doors or use a security system or even change the locks, especially if this is a situation where you have left a partner and now they're no longer in the home with you. Changing locks, uh, security systems, things like that are definitely a great idea to keep in mind. Yeah, those are some great tips. Thank you for sharing those. There's also some tips from Rain about if you are being stalked. So some of those things could look like being prepared to reach out, keep your phone with you with emergency numbers programmed ahead of time, memorize some numbers in case you don't have access to your cell phone at some point, and changing up your routine. And unfortunately, it's really terrible that someone might have to do that, but changing up their routine can create more safety because who's ever stalking you won't know where to go or won't know where you're going. So it's important, unfortunately, if you are being stalked to keep yourself safe, that you can change up that routine. Mm-hmm. I'm telling someone your trust, um, this can be really difficult to do because these situations can be very isolating and someone can feel very embarrassed or there can be a lot of shame involved around them and this shouldn't be a secret Uh, it's a number one safety sort of thing so telling someone you can trust or even contacting the police to determine if a report can be made Mm -hmm. documentation in stalking situations is really important especially for reporting to the police so keep that in mind as well yeah all right so now we'll go through some different questions and components of the safety plan just to give our listeners a glimpse of what these plans might look like This isn't going to include everything in a plan, just a portion of them. We're going to share a few from each category. And the first category is information on your home. And questions might look like, if you need to leave an emergency, what is a safe place in public you can go, such as a store, police station, or somewhere other people are around? And this is a really interesting one, um, because as our listeners know, I work in a really, really small rural community community. And that can be really difficult because everybody knows everybody. There's not that many places that someone can go. We only have a few hotel rooms. So if someone goes out in public, it's likely they're going to be seen. And like I said, everybody knows everybody. Mm -hmm. So they can let someone know. You're like, hey, I saw, you know, your partner at this place. And that can just be really unsafe. Right. And then also leaving in an emergency right now, Alpine County, unfortunately had pretty heavy rainstorm and lightning storm this past week that has created some mudslides. So now there's only one way out of town right now, and it's an extra hour Mm. drive. So that makes it even more difficult for people to leave. 
So those are just things to think about. And if you do work with an advocate, they can help you game plan around those sorts of things so we can make sure that you are as safe as possible and have that plan to leave. And then if you do need to leave your house quickly, think about what type of items you're going to take with you. This is often accompanied by a list of important things such as medication, keys, copies of restraining orders, birth certificates. It's always good to have an extra cell phone charger, um, Mm -hmm. just those sorts of things. And the next category is information regarding school. So if this person is in school. And those questions are going to look like, do you have someone you can spend time with between classes so that they're not alone? If you need to leave school immediately, who can come and pick you up and meet you? If you need to avoid your partner on your way to school, is there a different route you can take or a different route you can take on campus? And some considerations for this one, um, I know it kind of feels like it's leaning towards college. However, our, our school here in Alpine County, it's very, very small. There's like less than, I want to say there's like 60 students, maybe a little bit more. So the classes are very small. Yeah, it's really, really small. (laughs) Hearing 60, even for me knowing that, I'm like, yeah, that's really small. Wow. Yeah, it might be a little bit more than that, but it's definitely like less than 80. So it's really small. goes back to that. Everybody knows everybody. The classes, you know, you're with these students all day. They don't really change classes it's the same students in each class Mm -hmm. so being able to avoid someone can be really difficult so thinking about things like talking to the teacher there talking to the counselor and seeing if there can be as much separation from them as possible and if you're able to get a ride home from a person rather than taking the bus those are things to think about as well yeah, that's that's all such good stuff to keep in mind. And even when you were going through kind of like the the home base questions, right, that were on this questionnaire for the safety plan, you know, thinking about if you need to leave your house quickly, what items would you take with you? So I try to think about this from a space of even when I'm just late for something, right, there's no danger for my safety, no danger for my physical well-being or my health. Even if I'm late and just leaving the house quickly, I feel like it is so easy in that moment to completely forget everything, like where I put my keys, where are those keys, even though they're generally in the same spot. But like when I'm in that frazzled kind of mode of just being late, again, no danger to myself going on, it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to overlook. It's so easy to forget, you know, a million things going out the door you wouldn't normally forget. And then trying to put in perspective I need to leave right now because, you know, maybe, yeah, my physical health is in jeopardy. Maybe my life, I feel like my life is in jeopardy. How absolutely unforgiving in those moments is your memory going to be, right? When you're dealing with that kind of a crisis. And yeah, a lot of individuals, they do have medications that they need to take regularly. They do have important documents, right? That are kind of a one-off or one of a kind, such as maybe your social security card, your birth certificate, um, medical records or information on your kids if you have kids. So yeah, doing things like that and just being kind of prepared ahead of time, maybe having those items, especially some of those really important documents in a secured location, somewhere where you know exactly where they are. They're all together. You're not running from this drawer to that closet to wherever they may be. Yeah, those those could be really vital seconds and really, really important, right, on that timing of you being able to leave that situation safely. So I love um, all of those considerations so far and all those questions so far that are documented. 
We also talk a lot with our clients about creating some grab bags. So it just mm-hmm. has, you know, a couple days worth of change of clothes. They can put all those documents in there, have extra cell phone chargers, have, you know, some snacks if that's what they need. You can right. even think about if you are fortunate enough to have a good employer, if you can keep that bag there and like kind of yeah. let them know of the situation that's going on. So you can go get it the next day or if you're able to access the building at night, be able to go there and get it. Just then, that way, you don't have the fear that oh, is my partner going to see this? Why do they have all this stuff together? And start getting those questions. So, creating a grab bag for yourself and an advocate can help you with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Again, these are all like I think just such wonderful things um, that these safety plans include because they're such important things to think about and things that you know, again, especially at a time of crisis, might be the last thing on our minds, right? And so moving forward, the next category on these safety plans after the considerations for the home, considerations for school, the next is regarding work. And Sarah's already kind of touched on this a little bit. Um, But some of the questions in this category could include, if you need a different route to work, which route can you take? Does your partner work at the same place as you? Have you told someone at work about your relationship? And I think just kind of like what Sarah just mentioned, right? Like maybe your employer is going to be, you know, really supportive of you leaving that grab bag there or just supportive of, you know, you could be in a situation where maybe you do have to call off or something, um, you know, maybe you have to take that time off to kind of figure out next steps for yourself if you are leaving. And so, you know, we're not saying you have to disclose to your employer or to anyone, but realistically, um, it could be a great thing, I think, just to think about. So the next category we have is technology considerations. And this is definitely a big one, too. Um, So some of the questions here, has your partner ever checked calls, texts, or browsing history on your computer or cell? Do you use social media? Has your partner ever sent you abusive emails, texts, or voicemails? And have you shared passwords with your partner? So that's a key one right there as well, right? If your partner knows how to unlock your phone, Obviously, they have access to everything Um, and even your social media account. I think that was, you know, why it's so important on that list, because, you know, especially if you're checking in, you know, checking in on Facebook or Instagram, tagging your locations, anything like that. If you do have any kind of a location tracker on or if your partner, you know, has access to track your phone, obviously that could be quite dangerous. Right. So all of that um, consideration with technology, your phone, social media, super important. And next up, we have um, in the category of questions, we have information about their partner. So some of these questions could include, who is someone that you trust that you could call or text to let them know where you're going with your partner? So especially, you know, if you think something might um, might occur, if you think something might be triggering, or if you just simply want to let someone know, hey, you know, this is what we're going to do just in case, just in case you don't hear from me or just in case, you know, you don't see us over there, whatever it is. That way there's someone that has knowledge of where you're going, right? And someone that can check in with you or make sure that you arrived and got home safely. Next question, what word or phrase can you use as code in text or call to ask a trusted person for help without your partner knowing? And we kind of touched on this already as well, um, but I think that's really important. And I think about especially a situation, maybe you're in the car going somewhere and things are not going well. You are feeling this kind of escalated sense of danger or fear. Um, And yeah, you might need to reach out, but that may be really hard to do, especially getting on a phone call, right? You can't really do that if your partner's sitting right 
right next to you in the car. So having these pre-planned kind of code words, phrases, whatever they are with trusted people could be extremely crucial in a situation like that if you ever needed to reach out for help um, or get in contact with someone who could support you and, and help you out in a dangerous situation. Yeah. And with the catchphrase, it can be something really silly too. talking about that made me think <laughs> of when I was much younger and well, not well, when I was younger and I was going on a blind date or something, I was talking about it with my roommates and we we're trying to figure out what something could say if I needed some help in the situation or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we came up with don't eat the peaches in the fridge. Oh, okay. It, you know, like if you have your roommates and they know you have roommates or whatever then that's an easy kind of like it's a warning it doesn't really give anything away I mean and this had have been like 10 years ago or something and I still remember it just because it was so silly and just kind of you know a fun thing and thankfully I didn't need to text that but yeah those <laughs> phrases <laughs> those phrases could be you know something silly that you know makes some sort of sense um yeah it doesn't give any sort of information away and it's not just like a one word sort of thing because that could be a red flag too if someone saw that right i was gonna say that's very sensible right because that's a very common thing that could happen i think yeah making sure that it is something sensible something that's not going to sound odd and let your partner pick up on that and think like is that what they're doing right yeah. so yeah i love that don't eat the peaches in the fridge yep <laughs> simple all as right. that <laughs> all right so our last questions are about people that have children with them. Um, so th questions you want to ask yourself are like, who could watch the children if you needed childcare in an emergency? Identifying those people would be important. Do your kids know how to call 911? If the situation did escalate to a point where they needed to call 911, would they be able to do that and go through the information that a dispatcher might ask them? And then do you have a word or phrase that is a code between you and your kids if you need to get to a safe place or can call for help? And that goes back to just, you know, don't eat the peaches in the fridge, coming up with something that your kids will remember and that doesn't give anything away so that the kids know that they need to go to a safe place that has been identified. And then speaking of identifying a safe place, where is the safe place your children can go if the situation becomes dangerous? And finally, we have safety questions for emotional information. Does your partner say or do things that make you feel down or less than? What activities you enjoy doing? If you feel down, who can you reach out to cheer yourself up? Does your partner threaten to reveal information about you in a harmful way? So these are just some sort different sorts of things to think about. This is just a snapshot. The template we used was from the hotline website and their virtual safety plan, which you will find below if you want to create a virtual safety plan for yourself or if you wanted to look through all of the questions. Mm -hmm. So just some more things to think about with your safety plan is we just really want to emphasize is it has to be able to work for you. It has to be very individualized. Um, if you're, you are working with an advocate and they make a suggestion, don't feel like you can't say no if it's just completely not going to work for you because then what's the point of the safety plan? Um, so just making sure that it's something that you can do and follow through with so that you can be safe in those situations. Absolutely. And I think a good thing to point out as well is that, you know, 
domestic violence advocates, they're there to empower their clients. So yeah, if you're going through with a trained advocate, if they suggest something or say something um, and, and you really think that doesn't fit for you, yeah, please do not feel afraid to yeah speak up or just say, you know what, that won't work or that could work, but maybe differently from what you said. Again, that's, that's what they're there for. They're there to be fully um, just in support of you, what's going to work best for you, they're, that advocate is not going to be thinking like, I just want to make this plan for them. No, it could not be farther from the truth. It's pretty much the opposite. Again, they're there to do that with you and for you. So I think that's a great consideration. Um, and I just want to mention as well, again, we already went through this, but just being honest, being honest about the information you're putting down there, making sure these things are realistic for you. Because if they're not in that moment, or maybe you have, you know, 30 seconds to to get out of wherever you're at to do that safely. You know, you want to make sure this is all stuff that you can really do in that 30 seconds of time. Um, and just know as well, you know, having those things planned out ahead of time, it may seem silly. It may seem silly to, you know, place all these documents in a certain place or, you know, get extra medication if that's possible to have kind of as a storage. Like things like that might seem like, I don't know if I really need to go through all that. But, you know, you never know. And at some point or another, it could be, you know, a a crucial, crucial component to you, again, just maintaining your safety, having those things done in advance. And so, yeah, I we encourage anyone out there, if they're considering this, if they've listened to this today and thought, you know, this might be a good idea for me, you know, check out the resources below. You can look at safety plans, but I think also doing it with a trained advocate can be extremely helpful. And we'll have so many links down below where you can even search for um, domestic violence shelters near you. Um, or you can always call us at Live Violence Free. We'll have our number below as well. And so with all of that, I think it's a great idea to go ahead and, and close us out here with a little meditation, a little breath work. So I invite our listeners, if you're available to take on this meditation at this time, Go ahead and get into a comfortable position. Find a comfortable space for yourself. And in that comfortable space, just start noticing your breath. We're not going to change it yet. You don't need to close your eyes yet if you don't want to. Just start noticing your inhales and your exhales. And I also want you to just start noticing if there's tension in your body. Examine how your body's feeling at this time. So if you haven't already, go ahead and slowly close your eyes. Or you can find a point in the room to focus on. I want you to start taking deep, slow breaths in through your nose and out through your mouth. A deep breath in and a big breath out. And while we're taking these slow, deep breaths in and out, keep scanning your body. Scan it for any sources of tension, any places that could use a little more relaxation. Now 
How your eyebrows relaxed? Is your jaw relaxed? Do you have tension in your hands? Are you balling them up into fists? Take time to examine your posture. How are you sitting or laying right now? Is there any adjustments you can do to ease relaxation? And just continue to focus on your breath. If you have any thoughts or anything come up for you right now, it's fine to acknowledge those thoughts and just let them pass. The only thing that's important right now is your breath. On your next inhale, think about an affirmation or a positive word that speaks to you. On your next inhale, call that affirmation or word again to your mind. Whatever positive word or phrase that you're thinking of, I want you to breathe it in with every inhale and with every exhale, let go of tension. Allow your inhales to be a moment of positivity and your exhales a release of anxiety. So breathe in positivity and exhaling negativity. And take a few more deep breaths in and out. We're going to take one last big breath in. Really fill your lungs and hold it for a count of three. Before a big exhale out. Really releasing any leftover energy. And just take one last moment. Just feel the feeling you have now. Soak in that relaxation. And whenever you're ready, start to go back to your normal breathing. Start to bring that attention back into the body. Slowly float open your eyes, do any movements or adjustments or stretches you need to bring the feeling back into your body. And I hope that was a nice little end cap for the listeners out there. And my lovely host, Sarah, I saw you following along with our nice breathing exercise there. So hope that was relaxing. And I want to say a big thank you. Um, 
first off, just to circle all the way back to the beginning, huge thank you to DomesticShelters.org for recognizing our podcast and the work that we do here. Again, this is our passion. We love doing this. And so on that note, a huge shout out to our listeners out there that really make this podcast happen, right? And make it possible. Um, you guys checking in every time we have new content out and just helping to yeah, educate yourself, educate others, spread the message of prevention work, which we know is so crucial. So a huge shout out and kudos to all the listeners out there. Make sure to go ahead and check out our resources below. We have a bundle of different things you can go through, including making your own safety plan. So we want to thank you all so much out there for joining us today, and we hope you will join us for our next conversation.